Welcome to another episode of Victory Over Self Radio, a podcast that dives into all things athletics. On this episode, we sit down with Dr. Andrew Pichardo of IMG Academy to talk about high school strength and conditioning, research and why he pursued a PhD, golf athletes and rotational athletes, and life at IMG as a strength and conditioning coach. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Victory Over Self Radio, a podcast that dives into all things athletics. Along with Blair Bennett and Ross Garner, I'm Chris Kerr. Today, our special guest on today's episode is Dr. Andrew Pichardo, who recently has gone back and took a job with IMG Academy. Andrew, hey man, really appreciate you taking your time. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here. Great. We're going to start things off with uh, Mr. Garner today. Uh, Ross, uh, when we were kind of planning this out, had some really good questions that I also had. So we're going to let the uh, the Florida boys kind of connect here. Uh, Ross and it, uh, Andrew are only, you know, hour and a half, two hours away down there. Um, so, Ross, let's let's kick this thing off and get it going. Love it. Yeah, eventually I'll get up there, but we'll see. So, Andrew, what uh, obviously you came, just came back to IMG. I think you're overseeing golf, if I'm not uh, not mistaken. What what is that role looking like? What's your typical schedule? Um, what made you decide to come back to IMG? Yeah, so a couple of reasons I came back. So uh, my dad is Cuban, and all his family is in Florida. He grew up in Miami, uh, uh, and my parents live in Orlando now. So we have a seven month old baby girl. And so, uh, being Congrats. back closer to, thank you, um, gr- grandparents, family, I have family in Texas also, but they were not where we were in Tyler. So, um, family was part of it. Uh, mentioned before we started recording, my wife also got a role at IMG Academy. So she's mm-hmm. working as a strength coach also. Uh, so that was appealing and, and, and having a place, a city big enough where we could both get full-time roles that we enjoy. Um, and then just outdoor stuff to do around here uh we're, we're big outdoor people so tyler has, was great for like hunting and fishing and you know being in the deep 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 east texas uh wood swampiness but, but we didn't really uh that's not the outdoors stuff that we were into as much so just having more things to do um was it was was another factor and then Big staff, so there's twenty. I think twenty SNC coaches on staff at IMG, um, different levels. Uh, you know, so so being back in an environment with other people, like-minded people, different experiences, different cultures, um, and just being able to learn it again. I, I was, you know, quite alone sometimes out uh, in Tyler where I was at. Obviously, you can connect on social media and stuff, but like it's different than be on the floor with different people and mm-hmm. seeing how they coach and uh, you know, all that stuff. Uh, and, and everyone's coming from a different place there, which is one thing I enjoy. Not, not no one, not a lot of people are from Bradenton to, and then just grow up and work and live uh, in that area to go to IMG. So you get, you know, experience of different cultures. And then um, another thing was just the uh, opportunity to, to, to dig deeper into one sport instead of, such breadth across multiple sports and um you know at my previous role being able to work with one sport and and study it a bit deeper and uh hopefully not that the training differs as much but just uh you know learn more about golf i've been wanting to 
learn how to play golf. So now's I feel, I feel like a good time to to do that and get stuck in with that. So uh, lots of reasons. Um, you know, sunny sunny weather year round. Hey yo. Yeah. Guys, if it's if it's if it's all right, I'm gonna go off the the radar of our questions for just one minute here. Because Ross is gonna be a parent soon. Oh, good one. And as a parent myself, I would like to hear how having a baby has changed your strength and conditioning career. Because I know it affected mine, so I just want to hear your take. Yeah, I mean that that was kinda in in one way a factor of uh why we needed to both have a full time role. Like where we were at, you know, the baby was gonna need to get into daycare soon and um we had some financially we needed something more uh so that that kind of sparked it a little bit and it worked out where my more my wife could get a job here um so baby's going to daycare now which is which is different but um my career i mean it forced that conversation or or action like we we were gonna have to do something different my wife know took her time off she was just working part-time and we were realizing like okay this is not going to be sustainable uh with our current setup to go to daycare you know we can't have you stay home and not do daycare and there's you know remote jobs are hard and far between so that sparked action in itself um for me personally like i've actually got more consistent in my own training now mm. by yeah. part of it's the schedule but part of it is like trying to make sure i'm the best person i can be for for my family like it's a different like yep. can i have a, a family to take care of now instead of just me and my wife um so that has has got me back on track with my own training which has been good and then when my training's on track everything else kind of seems to fall on track a bit more mm-hmm. um but i told ross he's gonna need to do some isometric zerchers for a while because like it's so crazy how light a baby is but like how heavy they feel after holding them and um you know right rocking them and stuff for a while you like you get real fatigued so i'm like need to start working on it now um yeah i've got i've got a four-year-old yeah. which is a whole nother thing um good luck yeah. with that but uh, i gotta get active um, i got a one i got a one-year-old too and like i remember we were lifting together and you know, I'm, I'm like coming home, I'm like beat. And then rocking the baby was like the hardest <laughs> thing of, of, of all. Cause I'm like, I'm like, what the heck, man? Dying yeah. here. Um, and then just like the lack of sleep affects everything, yeah. but it's a, it's a different experience. Ross is going to be in for it too. It so. is. Yeah. Awesome. It is. But it's great. You know, it's great. Uh, I'm excited for you, Ross. So, uh, you know, looking forward to hearing your experience, obviously, mm. you know, we, we love, we love the, the grit and the adversity and overcoming all that. So it's going to be right up there with all that, but you know, let's see it as an opportunity to, um, ch- you know, challenge yourself, I guess. All right. We can get back on track <laughs> now. Really excited here, guys. Really excited. <laughs> yeah. You know, selling it well. <laughs> yeah. Any, any, any day now, any day now. Yeah. So Aunt, Andrew, you've been, uh, obviously you've been at a, at a public high school in Texas, which we all know Texas high school strength and conditioning is a, is a beast in and of itself. I would argue, obviously you have Texas and you got Georgia as kind of the, the big, big ones. How would, uh, how would you explain the difference of the way that IMG is set up 
you know, naturally it's a little different setup compared to a typical high school, right? What, what are kind of the big positives that you view from it, the way that they do it and what's potential? Hey, this is kind of a limiting factor on, on what you do. Um, it's completely different than any, any, any school out there. I think, uh, for that I'm aware of, yep. um, to try to get specific and, and talk about the positives, uh, you know, obviously facilities, great facilities. Um, but, but really at this point with the growth of the school and stuff, you know, we're, we're, I feel like we're at a point where we're outgrowing them to a certain extent too, because like we're all, they're all student athletes. So yeah, you have more facilities, but then instead of, you know, 500 athletes at, out of 2,500 kids, it's 1,500 kids at the school, but they're all athletes and hmm. uh, we've expanded. So we have two, two weight rooms now and we've got a, uh, the, the bubble, which is like an indoor thing that sparked from COVID. So indoor turf, uh, you know, air pressurized, just a couple racks in there, but it's just, you know, obviously you want to get more athletes in the door to help more people, but then it's like, you need facilities for that. So we, so we, so we struggle with the same kind of like scheduling and, uh, staffing type issues that you would at any school, um, in terms of a lot of athletes, only so many hours in the day, everyone needs to train. Um, but, but we make it work. It's just the logistics are at a super high level. Whereas like at a, at a, at a public school I was at, I trained all the teams. I knew when they were coming in, I decided when they come, come in and, you know, there wasn't any, uh, as many communication, as much communication, I guess that needed to happen because I could oversee a lot of it. Um, but other positives, I mean, this is one of the aspects that I like about working there and, and, and that came knowing what it would be like, uh, going back there, but just, uh, international diversity. Like there's people within, Mm. I, I have, just over 100 golfers there's probably 20 30 different countries that they come from uh all over the u.s uh you know it's crazy i mean so you you learn not only other people's coaching style but you learn so much about different cultures and communication styles and uh stuff like that which is you know something you don't get in especially in deep east texas um (laughs) so so that you know that, that that's cool uh other positives, you know, there's a, a more multidisciplinary approach. Like, there's sports science crew here. There's data science guys. There's uh, nutrition. There's mental coaches. So just having, you know, more conversations around the well-being of the athlete, um, as opposed to before. I'm like the S and C coach, the nutritionist, uh, the, the mental coach in a way, and like it's it's hard to. First of all, you know, the aspect of saying you're lame there, like you don't want to give out wrong information or if you're, you know, legality issues, but um, just learning from other people and how they interact and having, uh, you know, more resources basically to improve athletes, um, you know, is always going to be helpful. Uh, other other things to work on, like I said, um you know, we, we run into some of the same issues as, as you would at other schools. Um, and then just to kind of the, 
I guess it's 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 a business to an extent. So like next week we'll have the the Raiders coming in and training uh, using our facilities. So you know that puts a roadblock, whatever. We got to work around that as a staff to to train, <laughs> and diff, you know, be creative, find solutions um, to that aspect. Whereas like some high schools, you might have that. You might have a college come in and use their facilities, but um, you know. I think it happens more frequently here and, and on a bigger scale. So that's, you know, just another another wrinkle to the to the position. But yeah. Sounds like a, a good problem to have. Yeah. So with that, Andrew, again, you've been a bunch of places. What are some of the I mean, you've got twenty strength coaches there and obviously you you've been on your own, you've got a full staff and all that kind of stuff. What are some of the, the best practices that you've seen as far as say could be organization, data collection, uh, training, whatever, whatever it may be. Like, what are some of the things that you've taken away over time uh, for best practices? Yeah, you know, I try to pick up a little bit at each at each at each place I've been. Um, whether that's things that you know I don't think operate smoothly um, or wouldn't in other in other contexts. So, um, some of the some of the best data collection and conversations I've seen around data uh, were probably at the Olympic Training Center in Lake Placid. So I was working with the, the sledding sports there and they had force plates where they did mid-thigh pulls, you know, every block. They ended up getting an opto jump like as I was leaving. So they were still playing around with that. But I know like they, they use that for gait analysis and stuff. Um, and then they would do, uh, the guy there was ISAC certified. So they would do like um, girths, muscle girths and, uh, body fat with the calipers and stuff. And, and like the people, the athletes there would like talk about glute numbers and stuff. Like they would measure the glutes and then that would be like a, an indicator of like levels of training, you know, uh, training ability or like, you know, it's just cool seeing like people know their numbers and like compare those type of numbers with other people. Uh, Cause, I don't know, it's kind of funny, but even their sprints, like, you know, they had very, these just Broward timing gates, but, um, it was more integrated in their, in their day-to-day operations. I feel like than some other places I've seen, uh, university of Florida, a lot of good training there when I was there, uh, back in 2012, 2013, um, in terms of like specific things, I'm, I'm not sure. It was just, once again, ability to see different coaches and how they coach different sports and, um, you just pick up little things along the way. Um, and then even IMG, like at, there as a summer staff, you, you, you get a lot of experience when you're there. You know, you're only there eight weeks, but during the camps during the summer are like when there's higher volume of kids and just your 1500 athletes. So see how, how the camps are now, uh, being quite, you know, quite a long time from 2015, but coaching hundreds of athletes a day. They're from all over the, you know, all over the world. Once again, uh, all different ages. So it just helps you, I think, hone your like communication style and, uh, ability to, to connect with kids. Um, and, and, and that, that was good. Like being able to get that experience at, at that, at that time in my career. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah. Those, those are probably some of the things that stand out in my head. Uh, as, as the best practices. And then here now, like I'm still learning how things work, but having sports scientists to help with the testing, having people 
you know, a data science mm -hmm. and, and, and teams that are, you know, can build dashboards and different metrics and stuff based on, you know, have conversations around these numbers and stuff is like something I've got to learn how to do better because I haven't ever had that before. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out over time. Uh, guys that have been there longer, they obviously have a different system where they can test different metrics, uh, like GPS, like we're not going to do GPS with golf probably. So, um, you know, just finding what, what I can talk to the other coaches about and, and extract from them in terms of how they use their data and, um, stuff like that. So last question for me, I mean, <clears throat> with your, with your golf athletes and it could just be youth, youth athletes in general, what are your, your big rocks, your non-negotiables that, Hey, we need to make sure that we work on this. We're training this. And, and obviously, I mean, you're, you're going to be deep diving in the golf, uh, the longer, the longer that you're at IMG and you're going to develop those big rocks there. Um, so again, those big rocks for those youth athletes. And then potentially if you have some, what are those big rocks that you're going to be working on with your golf athletes? Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be similar. I, th I feel like between golf and, and many other athletes and maybe just like not as much speed and like agility work. Uh, mm -hmm. But I mean, strength, big rock, uh, rotor review, strength, highly correlated to club head speed, bolt, you know, hitting distance, stuff like that. So like just getting stronger is going to help them hit the ball further, um, make their other shots shorter. Um you know, be, be a better golfer, essentially. Uh, and then <laughs> mobility, big for golfers also. So hip, shoulder, um, T-spine mobility is, is going to be big for them. But for all athletes, I think mobility is important just to get into different positions. And even if they're not getting an extreme range of motion in their sport, being able to use that in their training to, you know, elicit certain stimulus or adaptations uh, I think is important, especially around, you know, the growth spurt and, and really before the growth spurt, uh, just so they can maintain that, those movement patterns, like Joey Burgos, you see his kids, he's got them moving well in seventh, eighth, eighth grade. And then you can maintain that ability better if you have it set early on. If you're trying to teach that to a kid who's like going through peak height velocity, uh, a kid, it's probably Maybe not impossible, but definitely a lot harder uh, just at the rate they're growing and they're uncoordinated and stuff. So mobility be huge um, for any sports. Um, and then I guess tying those things together, move, movement quality, obviously important for all sports. Also golfers. Um, those are, you know, things that I think are, are, are important across across sports. Uh Golf specifically, obviously, rotational power also. You might do more than maybe like a, a football player or something. Um, there's a lot, a lot of rotational sports and a lot of rotation within all sports, even things that you don't think of as a rotational sport. So I think it's important for, for everything. But um, for golfers who are, yeah, rotating all the time, uh, making sure they're, they're, they have the robustness um, in, those, in those movement patterns, not only to improve performance, but... Re reduce their injuries so i'm i'm picking up on the type of injuries they're having and stuff and um you know thinking about ways to lessen those a bit um but this is another thing i picked up at the olympic training center was for, i don't know if it was the exact quote but his guy's philosophy was basically 
um, the primary exercises build the athlete and accessory stuff builds the sport. So there, I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure like between bobsled skeleton and luge, they would all do, you know, let's say they're on the same squat cycle, but then for luge, okay, they're pulling with their upper body. So their accessory stuff would be more lats and pull-ups and stuff. And bobsled, they would do different, you know, maybe more sprinting stuff because they're actually sprinting and pushing a sled. So that's something that I've kind of kept a thread in my programs and I, and I did uh, at Legacy. That's what helped me keep track between all the different sports was, okay, we're all going to squat, lunge, and hinge or whatever. And then in these A2 movement, okay, basketball, we're going to do some ankle strengthening or calf strengthening stuff. And softball, we're going to do some uh, shoulder stuff. So I could tailor for the sport, which I think is not so much that you need to be sport specific in the weight room, but obviously the injuries are different. Um, so that's one aspect, just trying to prevent those uh, a little bit and then making sure the kids or helps with the kids maybe being bought in by getting giving them something more specific to what they're doing. So um, rather than say, hey, we're all doing this. Yeah, we all need to be strong and fast. Okay, that that's great. But just to get on a more personal level with them, like, you know, it, it just helps you explain the program to them and, and make sure that they understand that you're trying to do things that are uh, helping them specifically versus mm. what's easy for you as a coach, which is probably coaching the same thing to everyone. Andrew, you've got, you said you have a hundred golfers. Yeah. We, well, the whole program, I think there's 155. There's about 30 middle school golfers that my wife primarily works with. And then I, I'll come in for the end of those sessions. So I probably have 120-ish golfers, uh, 9 through 12, yeah. That is way more than I was yeah. expecting. That is a lot so of golf. Golfers. Yeah, it's the, second, it's the second oldest sport there. So it started as a tennis academy back in 78 yeah. or something, in the 70s. And then golf, I don't know when they added it, but it's it's been around for a while. Um, and they've it's grown. Um, I think it's continuing to grow. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a, you know. I think uh, there's other bigger programs in terms of numbers of uh, people, but um, yeah, it's a lot of golfers still, so it's good. So are you are they all coming in at the same time? Are you having them come in in groups? Uh, how does that it, look for you? They come in different times. So like there's f f for me there's uh, or for golf there's kind of four time slots a day that they'll come in, uh, and each one's an hour. And I get them for an hour, so eight thirty, ten thirty, two and four. And then middle school will come like 4.30 to 5.15. So, uh, and then there's all different groups within that. So some days for some groups will train Monday, Wednesday, one week. Next week might be different. There's kind of a morning, there's morning groups and there's afternoon groups. Because the way IMG set up, you either go to school the first half of the day and then do your sport. Or you do your sport the first half of the day and then you go to school. So the morning groups always be in the morning, but they'll flip-flop between 8.30 and the 10.30 slot. And then the days are kind of – they vary week to week. So these are, you know, when Ross asks what are some things we could work on. Uh, and that, and that, some of it's logistics. Like it just doesn't work. We can't put everyone on the golf course at the same time. So we have to figure out, you know, or in the weight room. So some of it's just planning and things that are out of our control, uh, especially my control. Um, but, you know – Teams might come in Monday, Wednesday, one week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, the next week, 
and only Thursday of the next week. So like the schedule is kind of off depending on groups and when they have tournaments and what else they have going on, picture day, media day, stuff like that. Um, And then, yeah, the afternoon groups, two to four, sometimes, you know, groups will change. Basically they flop flip flop week to week. So if a group comes in at two, one week, the next week they'll come in at four and then, you know, that other time slot they're, they're doing golf stuff. Um, so pretty much nice. five days a week for the most part, um, unless something's going on where, where they don't come in. But um, it's good for me because all the days are similar in time frame, whereas other coaches, you know, week to week it might change based on or day to day. Sometimes they'll start later but in later. Sometimes they'll start early in early. Sometimes they'll start early in late. For me, it's kind of the same time slots every day, which helps me like get into a bit of a more of a routine and and whatnot gotcha chris do you have a question oh yeah absolutely i got a ton i'm uh i'm taking a million <laughs> notes here andrew you're crushing it brother um so kind of a, a light-hearted question here but uh just gotta know uh you're you're coaching golfers what is the the talk in the weight room between the pga tour and liv uh, is your team split down the middle? Are kids dreaming now of playing in the uh, the Saudi funded league, or are they sticking true to the roots and sticking with the PGA Tour? Like, what's what's that talk like? Uh, there's not a lot of golf talk in the weight room, surprisingly. Oh, um, all right. Yeah, it's probably something I should ask and get 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 a pulse on the kids and what they're feeling. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so so to answer your question, I, I don't I don't I don't fully know. Um, but tomorrow that's going to be the first thing I ask everyone. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) So thanks for that. Yeah, no, no problem at all. I'll report back. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking like, huh, I wonder if I'm, if I'm a young, you know, basketball player, man, I want to make it to the NBA, but now for golf, there's these two different options, you know? So what are, what are they dreaming of here? I feel uh, like the live live tour based on what I, what I see and hear about it. Um, seems like the more lucrative hip hip thing to do yeah 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 lucrative too for sure so i don't know yeah Yeah. i'll have to report back no yeah that's perfect and uh as you were talking there just mentioning strength uh with golfers yeah instantly i just thought of you know for for me being 31 uh growing up with tiger woods like he he was just jacked right he was a massive golfer and then uh as you know, he's sort of aged out somewhat, uh, you know, the, the stories of Brooks Kepka, um, you know, doing crazy workouts and, you know, he, uh, he was pretty hot there for a while. So no, no, it's pretty cool. And, um, another person you mentioned here was, uh, Joey Burgles and his, uh, you know, social media accounts and stuff. So is that somebody you see, or is that a model that you see of like, Hey, that's perfect. You're doing it right. Middle school, just get them moving, quality movement, and then that will transfer up to high school where you can start to build some performance on top of it. Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, doing well. I mean, that that is performance. So, like, like he's those kids are still getting stronger and mm, great point, and getting yeah. faster and all that stuff. So, it's not like he's just doing the movements with no load. I mean, he's doing the movements and then he, you know, he shows from whatever seventh to eighth grade or eighth to ninth grade or seventh to ninth grade, like those, how much stronger those kids are getting too. So I think, um, 
you know, obviously he, he focuses on, and that's, a, that's the thing with everyone's like, if we focus on movement and get that down, we can load it and then it will transfer to performance rather than, um, you know, doing the opposite or, or, or putting, you know, the load or performance first. Um, and so I think a lot of people agree with that and, and try to do it, but I think he executes at the highest level. Cause I, I mean, I, no kidding. you know, I, I don't know how he does that, you know, someone gets those kids to move the way they do across the board. And, and so, you know, I don't know that much about them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they all move pretty well. And then there's social media and what we see, you know, in, Instagram versus reality. What, what, yeah, what, yeah, is, yeah. <laughs> what do the rest of his kids look like? Um, but the attention to detail that he has coaching those kids and that those kids have in training is like what drives that process. So it's, it's more like the culture he's built to train at that level, mm-hmm. you know, allows him to, to get the output with those kids. Um, and that's where I throw my hands up sometimes and I'm like, how, you know, Oh yeah. It's frustrating. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm all, you know, I'm always like, you know, my kids can't do that. Like, they, yeah, <laughs> they can't focus yeah. like that. Like they can't move like that. You, you you don't have my kids. Like if you have my kids, yeah. you could be able to do that. And it's like <laughs> it's such a bad way to think about it. Um, but it's just like make myself feel better because like I, I don't I don't know how he operates at that level. But I'm glad he is doing it at the high school level now because you see him doing it at the collegiate level before and all his old videos. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Like these are they're getting essentially paid to play sports. And now it's like, you know, these kids, this kid's twelve, like. And he's making them love these movements <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, and he does, and, and it's not all structured. Like, obviously, they have a high, a high level of structure in some of their training, but he also has obstacle courses and the variability built in there and different other stuff that you would want to see in a youth program, which is important um, because, yeah, if you're only doing the movement quality stuff and the resistance training stuff, then, like, I think you're missing out on other aspects of training or, or the experience, but he's, he seems to have it all. Um, so I don't know how to emulate him cause I don't know how he does it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have 20 college hockey players in a weight room and I'm just like, man, these are the dumbest people in the world. How did I get stuck with them? <laughs> you know, <laughs> great guys, but just so dumb. Yeah. Yeah. That's classic. So with, um, with golf, there's a, there's a doctor in town here who has taken every level of the Titleist Performance Institute's courses, and he just kind of crushes it with golfers in the area. So you don't have to go super deep into this. Just wondering if you've dabbled into uh, some of the Titleist uh, Performance Institute stuff, some of the Greg Rose stuff, um, and if you've been able to apply any of that, if you have. Yeah, so I'm, ac- I'm actually taking the course now it's all oh, online awesome. now so like awesome oh that's good. I, there's not a i mean i think they, they do in-person stuff over time but the only ones right now are like in south korea or something um so i'm, I'm doing the course and, and it's helping me learn a little bit about that but when you mentioned tiger woods like that was one of the things they talked about was pre-tiger woods that like physical performance wasn't really a one of the three main factors that contribute to golf performance they thought like it was the clubs the coaching and like the mindset and then like after him changing the game like in the late 90s now like the physical aspect is a huge part of it um so you know i i i plan to 
keep obviously going to finish this course and see what else is out there and stuff. Uh, we haven't like, so because I'm still doing it, we're, I'm not implementing any of that stuff, the screens yet uh, or anything, but like, I definitely want to use some of the screens or some of the concepts to, to individualize training even more uh, with the kids. Um, you know, if they have good hips, but not great T-spine or shoulders, like, okay, now we can individualize their training a bit more. Some kids might be vice versa. So I see it as, as a, because it's different too, like if you're working in a small, you know, private setting where you've got one golfer at a time or three golfers, like you can go super in depth with them um, when you're training golfers in like a huge or bigger environment. Um, it, it, it can be hard at times to, to individualize for training in general. And, and that's one thing I've always run into. That's why I, I like to at least break it down by sport and try to give each sport something different. Uh, some things the same because strength is important for, for pretty much all sports. But, um, you know, I, I see it as a definitely something to help individualize the training, but also build credibility with the golfers and the, and the golf staff because I'm not like a golf fanatic. Like many people are, are, are into golf and then they get into fitness. I'm like coming the, up from the other side of it. So I think it's helped me at times because I see things from like an unbiased lens and, a, and a, you know, from just a pure like movement and under, my understanding of that versus the sport and its culture. Like I'm learning a lot about, about that kind of stuff. Um, so it's, it's, it's helped me. But I think as I learn more about golf and, and the, you know, super fine de details, it'll just help me like speak their language when we're doing certain things. Um, Cause right now it's like, we gotta get stronger. If you get stronger, you hit the ball further. <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah. obviously a lot more stuff that we can help improve or like other aspects that, uh, you know, we, I can use to help, help, you know, build that connection a bit better. No, that's, that's a great answer. And um, so just as a, Hopefully this is an encouragement for you. Um, I work with ho only with hockey players um, with, with my deal. Um, and I had never watched a single hockey game, played the game or anything until I coached them. And so I went in feeling like it was a huge disadvantage. And it, in a way it was because exactly like you just said, where it was like, all right, we're going to hit the ball harder. Like I didn't know all the terms or anything like that. Um, but I also wasn't kind of stuck in old ways of thinking, right? Like I kind of would look around and be like, what are we doing that for? Why, you know, what, what's with this? Or I'd go to kind of implement something and players would resist and be like, Oh, I never did that growing up. Um, so yeah, I think you're going to find that you're going to bring a lot of new kind of fresh ideas into things, especially with uh, your experiences and background. So uh, yeah, definitely try to learn the language, right? Obviously, but, um, just know too, it, in a way it is an advantage because you're going to be coming in with a fresh slate and not having all these kind of, you know, old stuck in the ways types of thoughts, but, uh, kind of on that too, working with a rotational sport, uh, as well. When you first started working with, with golfers, did anything come to mind of like, oh man, they're going to be super imbalanced. I have to kind of balance them out as you're going through these TPI courses. Are you seeing anything for that? Um, right. You're working with people who swing clubs. I'm working with people who swing sticks. Um, just wanted to get kind of your opinion because uh, depending on who I ask, they kind of lean one way or the other. Or they might be in the middle. Yeah. I mean, I guess with, with uh, some of the assessments we do like that, we, we haven't, I don't think 
we necessarily have a way to measure that. I guess we do. We, we're doing some different stuff this year. Um, the golf program that it was set when I can't have come in that, that you know, they're very open minded and in, 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 in wanting to progress and like they're into like the physical side of things, which has been great. So it's not like I'm like, you know, uh, beating my head against the wall or anything like trying to get them to train or like do these methods like they're, you know, on board and, and want to help me out uh, however possible. So they do some assessments, I guess, where, where you can see some strength and balances and with grip and different like rotational med ball toss and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of, you know, movement quality, uh, side to side, like that's something I think this is and this is what I was talking about, like trying to find ways to integrate TPI stuff or have our own in-house things that are measuring more like qualitative analysis versus just outputs for stuff. Okay. He throws the ball harder one way than the other, but you know, how are they creating that movement? Um, I think is important. So, I mean, I guess fully to answer your question, like, no, I, I don't think we're going to go, you know, okay, we're going to do twice as many med ball throws this way versus the other way. I, no, I think we'll train both sides and, um, try, try to make sure the imbalances are within reason. Uh, because, a lot of times, and, and I learned this in baseball, but the imbalances are what make them, you know, great at their sport or like it's an inherent part of the sport. You, you swing the club one way all the time. So to make them perfectly symmetrical, like maybe you're taking away from their ability to, to fully rotate it the way they need to. Um, so as long as it's not causing any um, either movement issues or injuries as a result of it, I think, you know, it's fine. So the, and, and this is what I learned the, you know, baseball players, they would do range of motion testing, internal external rotation. And, you know, it's fine to have more external rotation in your throwing arm and less internal rotation, as long as it's within a certain, you know, percentage of your other side. So, uh, you know, that's what makes them throw the ball harder. So you don't want to take that away. Uh, you just want to make sure because it's within a, you know, a band of acceptability, which I don't know what that is yet or how to assess that with a golfer yet. But um, some of the TPI stuff that I, you know, I'm like, just started it pretty much yesterday, uh, got into like the first couple chapters. I have, I have, I purchased it and I've been like trying to find time to do oh, it. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I had some time to like yeah. sit yesterday and with it. And it has like, okay, if they have these certain faults, it's got, you know, could be this, these muscles are tight or unactive or not activating at the right time. So like, um, I think that will, will help me mm -hmm. over time. See like what the imbalances are, are caused by or things we can work on to help, you know, improve these faults. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, you know, I don't, I'll probably never be one to do more on one side than the other just, just because, uh, they're always swinging one way like mm. you know maybe they should they could probably even do some golf swings the other way too that'd be good yeah yeah no <laughs> i uh i i asked this same question to uh gray cook if you're familiar with fms right. and all that system and uh he was like oh yeah this one golfer i worked with kept a lefty club in his bag and so every now and then he just pull it out and swing it a couple times but no it is interesting and uh th th 
I I'll I'll be done. I'll pass it over to Blair here, but uh I heard Eric Cressy talk about using weighted balls to kind of increase more external rotation, right? If the ball's a little heavier, it's going to, you know, pull your arm, your shoulder, your whatever back a bit more. Um, so now I, I'll have to think about it. And then, you know, 10 minutes, I'll probably be like, this is the dumbest idea ever. But I wonder <laughs> if using a weighted stick, something a little heavier could increase a little bit more rotation. Um, so yeah, maybe we could talk off air and you'd be like, that's the dumbest idea in the world. But, you know, just thinking for for hockey, like, huh, you can kind of pull it up a little bit more, swing it through. Uh, you know, Blair, he was the, the residential hockey player here, so he might, you know, text me later and be like, that's the dumbest idea. But, yeah, interesting. Do they have – I mean, so for golf, they have, like, speed sticks where, where they're lighter than their club and mm-hmm. I assume heavier also. Maybe Maybe they're all lighter but just different weights, but, like – so they do have lighter clubs where you can like practice on your speed. Mm-hmm. I don't know about heavier clubs, but I would assume I would think the same. There would be the same effect for like hockey. I, I don't know. Yeah, so, of uh, I this is know, season. I, I don't think it's so dumb. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh yeah, I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, this is uh season 27 and 28 that I'm coaching right now uh, of college hockey. And I've only known one player ever to have a weighted stick are they, are they commonplace Blair or is it just like kind of you know voodoo weird stuff that only the weird guy does I yeah I've kind of seen it and I always thought it was just like the the weird thing that the weird guy does but uh the one weird guy that did it 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 helped him I feel like he got better now I mean obviously if you looked at baseball right they're putting those things on their baseball bat. I don't know. Yeah, what yeah. weights. The yeah, things on their baseball bats. Every time they go to hit, you know, a couple of swings before they go up to the plate. So, I mean, there must be something to that. All right. I think the the world um, heard it here first. We're we're gonna we're gonna change the game with rotational athletes. <laughs> I mean, we do it with with sprinting, right? We 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 have assisted yeah. and resisted sprinting. So you would you would think you know you could have a, a lighter and a heavier implement for everything to improve the, the force and the speed of like that same yeah. movement. So yeah. You're yeah, Pat, dude. Patent that. Go, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The heavy light system for for hockey. Yeah. Uh, that'll be perfect. Yeah, e-book, get start writing your ebook now, man, and you're good to go. No, I'll I'll just take these clips uh, sponsored by uh, Dr. Andrew Pichardo. Uh, yeah, it'll it'll be perfect. Yeah, but uh, Blair, Blair, what do you got for us, brother? I I want to I want to uh, tag on to the rotational question, um, just because. You know, if you look at golf versus other sports like baseball, yes, there's rotation. Hockey, there's rotation. Most sports have rotation, but they have a lot of other things. Whereas I would say golf, it's like you're rotating and then you walk to your ball, right? So it's heavy, heavy, heavy rotation. In your training, do you have a progression to how you incorporate rotational exercises you know, beyond just like the mobility, you know, med ball throws, like, is there a progression for you there? Or, or what do you think of that as far as like, where do you start and where do you like work your way to? Yeah. I mean, it's something I'm developing, uh, based on being able to get more specific with one sport and dive in and, and even like the facilities, like in, in my, where I was at before, I didn't really have a good wall to throw med balls on didn't have enough, yeah. didn't have the right sizes and stuff. So this is the first time I've been able to like fully sit and think about it at a deeper level. But, um, what I'm, what I'm working on and I'm still like relatively new to this role. I started 
month ago, two month and a half ago to almost two months ago. Um, so I'm still trying to figure stuff out just in like terms of, you know, the schedule and stuff. Um, but extensive to intensive. So just building up tissue capacity and, and, and movement patterns um, and building like some, I guess, endurance of, of those things before moving on to, and obviously those are going to be at a, at a, at a lower force and lower velocity. And then, you know, increasing that over time uh, to more single effort intensive throws. So that's kind of one, one aspect I plan to implement. And I say plan because like, like I said, like I had to get stuff going just to get stuff going. And then I'm like trying to work on what do I really want it to look like or how can it look now that I know how things work and you know what's going on. Um, Same thing with the, the, the setup the I guess the stance you're in so trying to go from less mechanically advantageous to to more so so like kneeling and tall kneeling stuff and then progressing to standing and then uh in just different different foot foot spacing um and then static to dynamic so just in place throws and then adding in you know uh run ups to it run back and push off that those are like the ideas i have in my head right now of like how i'm going to yep. build that out i don't exactly know yet but those are like some some things i think about um having different phases or you know progressing certain aspects of those at different times um and 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 i guess yeah i guess that's it i mean i, I don't want I just don't want them to be too like interested in the outcome if their sequencing is wrong. So like I'm learning the CPI thing I was, you know, watching yesterday, it's talking about the sequence of the swing and how energy is transferred and stuff, you know, it makes sense. But like, we don't want them to create bad habits when they're throwing these balls. So like, it's, it's trying to make sure their sequence is the same from the hips to the trunks to the arm to the ball when they're throwing med balls versus like, okay, if I'm starting with my hands first and my hips aren't coming through, is that going to translate to the, to the, to the swing? So, uh, and some of this stuff, like the golf coaches run they, they, so most teams lift between one and three times a week with me. And then they have a day at the, at the, their golf practice facility. So it's not a full course. They have this like their own building and facility and they've got like a little functional training space, they call it. And so their their golf coaches run those sessions uh, once a week. Everyone gets that once a week. And so, you know, I've got a, some of the stuff, and that's what they'll do a lot of the throws because they have a, ball, a wall they built for med ball throws. And in the weight room that, w- that we're in, really both the weight rooms that we have, there's not really a wall for that. We can do, like, slams, but there's not a wall to, like, do that rotational stuff. So, yep. Um, you know, it's, it's, I can design stuff, but then it's like making, you know, I'm going to have to upskill them, which they have the skills. They know the sequence and stuff like that, but it's like getting them to understand finer points of some of this other functional training we're trying to do um, over there. But those are my thoughts on on it right now. Uh, I'm, you know, looking, um, you know, on Google, on Google, YouTube, looking at people's med ball progressions and stuff and like seeing what I like, (laughs) what I don't like, how it fits in and, um, stuff like that, but I don't, I don't have my own like pre-made one that I've 
that I've brought over from baseball or anything. Uh, it's kind of starting from scratch and um, building out based on what I'm learning as I go. No, it's all good stuff. It, and it's funny you, you talk about like your facility, right? Not having a wall. Like I just started up at a, a, a private school up here and we have an awesome weight room and there's not one good place to do med ball work. And we have 50 med balls that don't really <laughs> serve us very well at all. You know, like they're, they're not even, they're not great med balls for even doing like a partner pass. Like there's an option I have, I have space. I can have them pass it to each other in, you know, one way or another, but like these balls are just awful. They're not big enough. They're they're too heavy or they're like just awkward. So it's, you know, you're, you're kind of, at the mercy of, of what you have in front of you. So, yeah, I mean, it, like um, everywhere, like, I mean, it's, yeah, there's a lot of great yeah. things, you know, about, about our setup and there's things that we, you know, we, it's, we're still high school strength and conditioning, uh, and, and you're going to have those types of things anywhere. There's, there's a, there's a wall outside that's not connected to the training space that we have that we go outside and just do med ball work or do that first and then go in with, um, you know, same we could we could go outside and throw med balls up and stuff but like that was one the facility i had before we could throw balls we just couldn't throw them against the wall but we we do vertical and horizontal throws all the time rotational throws with partners um now you know you just have to be more creative in how you implement it makes sense cool uh blair you got got anything else yeah i was gonna ask i know um you have the PhD and, um, from listening to another podcast, it was, it sounded like it was a lot to do with your, you know, mentors, um, as far as like seeking out that, but you know, what was maybe the number one reason that you, you wanted to get the PhD? Was it, you know, continued mastery in strength and conditioning? Was it, you know, the research aspect? Was it, um, kind of following, the path of the, your mentors, like what, what was your number one reason for that? I, something that, you know, I was interested in, um, and, you know, have decided at least for now it's, you know, not something I'm going to do, but, um, I'm just interested in your take, what, what your thoughts were there. Uh, an excuse to live in New Zealand. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, that's a good one. Oh, that's yeah, good. That, good that was one. probably like number three yeah. or four on the list. Uh, the number one thing was probably that I think is maybe the first one you mentioned, um, but the mastery in, in the field Continued as mastery. much as, as much as possible. Like there's a lot, I guess, factors that went into it, but I was finishing my master's not really feeling like I was really even ready to go into the mm-hmm. workplace yet. Like, I, and yeah. I, and that was from, I came out of a good program. Like I learned a lot. I, it had good experience there, but it was still like, man, I couldn't imagine like going and being in charge of a college team right now or even high school team. Like, so, so part of it was like delaying that process a bit more. Um, that was definitely part of it in terms of, I mean, that was the reason I chose to go that route. Now, why I went to AUT is based on my mentors and uh, from both Midwestern and App State. So my undergrad and graduate degree, they both had ties there and, and stuff like that. So that's why, that's how that stayed on my radar and was kind of at the forefront of that. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, the, the, the research process, like I got, I guess, deeper into that in grad school. Like in, in undergrad, I was not involved in the labs there or anything. Like it wasn't really on my radar that it wasn't 
a big school. It was a D2 yeah. school. They didn't, you know, there was only a couple of professors. They didn't really do a lot of, uh, wasn't a research institution or anything. So it was just kind of my uh, setting and, and why I wasn't really exposed to it as much. But when I went to grad school, you know, we read a lot. Of, we, had, we had a research class. We had a stats class. It was involved in the classes that we took. Um, and they, they, they did a lot more research there. And it was cool research. Not like, I mean, some of it was, you know, super clinical and stuff I'm not interested in, but some of it was like, you know, building a sled for the rugby team and measuring forces that they hit it with and stuff like that. I was involved in research. Uh, I had a optic fiber put through my patella tendon and did like squat and jump and jump stuff uh, and, and got paid for it. And like, I'm like, this is cool. Like, um, so that, so that kind of also put, put that on, on the radar in terms of like, that that's a part of academia or that that's a part of um, even being a strength coach that, that interested me. Um, and, and really like, I don't know if I would have stayed in the States to do a PhD. So most, I feel like most other places in the world, definitely Australia, New Zealand, it's all, it's all research based. So there's no coursework. So it's pretty much a three year program and depending uh, on your setup and how things work, you know, it could take a little bit longer, probably not going to be any shorter, but just the fact that you don't have to go through two years of more classes before you even start your research, which is going to be another three years. Like it's all just, you know, do your project. Uh, I think that was, that was appealing. And in, in the unique setup where I was, it was, the project dealt with the coaching and there was, you know, coaching involved with, um, with the project and it was very open where I could, um, kind of research what I wanted versus some, you know, there's a lot of, uh, labs. You, you go be a part of that lab that and do your PhD and you're doing whatever the lab does and you're just an, a cog in this like huge machine, which is, is fine. You get a PhD and you, you know, you're going to have a career in research or, or academia probably, um, and that's how I guess a lot of big research institutions work, but it was the experience at AUT and like it being open and flexible and coaching and, um, obviously being in New Zealand was great. So, uh, it was kind of a, a, a multitude of factors at all. And it was just good timing, uh, I guess that, that helped it me fully go that route versus doing more unpaid temporary internships or <laughs> <laughs> for another year yeah. <laughs> yeah sounds right sounds about right yep. well andrew we're uh we're over an hour here man and we want to definitely respect your your time here um ross or blair any other kind of quick questions or comments before i kind of wrap things up here nope just thankful for your yeah time. no awesome so um we we all have our people we kind of you know social media or internet stock and stuff like that and so i i want to highly recommend uh andrew to everybody here um so on twitter at andrew pachardo six at andrew pachardo six and um so obviously yeah we we follow people on the internet and this might get a little uncomfortable for you as i talk about you andrew so i apologize but um we all follow people on the internet and then you get to have a conversation with them and then you find out a bit more about who they are. And a lot of my notes 
that I kind of took here, the word that keeps coming to mind for me is calculated. All right. So we are dealing with a very calculated individual here. So when you look at uh, Andrew's LinkedIn, you could see he's been a bunch of places. I don't think that he was making mistakes while he was doing those. I think he was making calculated kind of next steps there. Um, and what I understood from you is you want iron that sharpens iron. You want to continue to get better. You use the word mastery. Um, part of your decision for going to IMG was because they had 20 plus coaches, right? More people that you could talk to, more people you could learn from. You add in your background of, you know, moving down to a completely different country on the opposite side of the world to seek out a PhD so that you could further develop that mastery. Um, it's, it's very, it's very cool to see and uh, excites me to kind of keep following your future. It kind of seems like you're going to be a bridge, right? Between the, the academia research side and the performance side, which is the, you know, the double, the, the triple threat, the, the Ken Clarks of the world where you could speak to the weight room guy. You could also speak to the research guy. Um, even saying, you know, with having a child, what's half, had to happen is you've had to become, again, more calculated, more on top of things. Um, and again, what, what you like about IMG is there's so many athletes there that you get to develop your communication style and skills even more. Um, so again, at Andrew Pichardo six, uh, on Twitter, he, he's active. Uh, ma- make sure you guys follow him and Andrew, uh, it's, it's really been awesome getting to talk to you, get to know you a bit more. Um, and I love talking with and hearing of other coaches that just, just want to get after it. Right. You could have very easily after your master's degree, you know, got a job real quick and started that kind of comfortable lifestyle. Um, but you chose to keep continuing to push yourself, um, to be uncomfortable. So, uh, somewhat, um, so that you could keep pursuing that, that mastery and that excellence. And that's what we need in the world. That's what we need in this field. Um, so yeah, man, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan now. I, I was, uh, you know, from my you know social media stalking and then of course, just getting to talk to you, getting to find out who you are. Um, man, you're a calculated person making great decisions and every coach you interact with and every athlete that you coach is going to be better for it. So, um, as somebody who's trying to, you know, do good in the field, uh, I, I'm, I'm recognizing you're absolutely like that. So thank you. I'm sorry. I know that was probably a little awkward to, <laughs> you know, hear somebody else kind of describe you and give you, uh, their hot take on you, but now you're, you're the man. That's, it's awesome. It really is. Um, all right. So, uh, for, Blair, Ross, uh, and for me, uh, that was our podcast with Dr. Andrew Pichardo. Again, please go follow him on Twitter. Uh, you know, awesome dude who's doing awesome things down there uh, at IMG in Florida. Uh, Andrew, thanks again for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Victory Over Self Radio. Episodes are available anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we also have videos and clips of each episode on our Victory Over Self Athletics YouTube channel. Like and subscribe and let us know if there's any person or topic you'd like us to cover. We'll see you all next time.